Hey guys, welcome back to the Keeping It 99 podcast here with episode number 29. And we have today a special guest with us. Uh, we have uh, Father Victor Shahat from St. Abinob in Dallas, Texas. Um, and he has a PhD in the history of the liturgy and teaches at the theological seminary school, um, the history of the liturgy as well. Uh, so we're blessed to have you Buna, with us and thank you no, very much. It's, it's such a blessing to, uh, to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you uh, very much. So today we're going to talk a lot about obviously the history of the liturgy and how that plays into like our lives now. And something that you know, I've per- personally noticed is that um, within our church, like there's, there's a lot of pride, like we have a lot of big pride and, um, th- there's a lot of reasons for that. And one of the reasons is that we're the church of the martyrs, um, the Coptic calendar, like the, you know, there's like BCE and CE for us, it's AM, which is, um, Anno Mar- Martyrum, I think if I got that right, um, which is the, translates to the year of the martyrs. So we take a big pride in our church and the saints and those who came before us and, Part of that comes in our liturgy and how um, how ancient and how straightforward it's been. The word orthodox itself means straight path. And so that really allows us to create, to, to continue this um, and uphold this uh, straight and uh, correct like path of the liturgy. So I know you work a lot with the manuscripts of the liturgy and seeing like how we can become more and really solidify ourselves as the ancient church. So um, what are some things you've noticed um, when it comes to these uh, like manuscripts in the history of the liturgy that uh, like proves that we are, that we have maintained this same like structure of prayer throughout uh, the history? Um, first of all, I have to thank you all uh, for this great uh, opportunity. <clears throat> to uh, sit together and talk about the liturgy. Uh, yani it's my passion to talk about the liturgy. <clears throat> um, something we, yani, I'm, I'm all the time when I'm working with uh, the history of the liturgy, I'm thinking uh, in our future. There is... Uh, Something all the time um, I can see in the old movies. Uh, if you remember some of the old movies or any movies try to make a flashback to uh, to go for like 1920, 1940, something. If you remember this old train, old fashioned uh, train, yeah, there is um, like uh, iron arm, it's attached uh, to the wheel. And um, there is a movement this arm make its first get back and then make the pushing forward. I'm thinking in the liturgy and the father of the church making the same. Sometimes we need to go again a little bit back to have this push to go forward to go in the right direction. Um, that is the most important thing in the liturgy. We are not creating anything new. Uh, maybe we can use some new technology uh, as we are doing today. We are uh, using this high-tech uh, fancy stuff. Uh, 
but actually <clears throat> just a way to introduce what we have and what we gain from the past. Because we are not looking to the past just because we love we love the ancient stuff. Uh, we are not progressive, or we are not in in good way to to think in this world. Uh, not because we are not developed. No, we are looking to the back because we are looking to our root. Uh, we can we cannot uproot ourselves from the root. If any tree, uh, if you uproot any tree from 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 the root, there is no life on it. It looks okay, it's something I can take it and put it in different way. You have to take it with the root. You can't take it without the root. If you take it without the root, you will kill this tree. It is the same, like we are looking actually not just for 2,000 years ago. We're, we're turning back to the first verse in Genesis. That is our root. God created for this. And if we go to the liturgy, all the liturgies, as we are praying today, start with the creation. The, the, the first step to proclaim and to announce and to tell about the salvation, we have to start with the creation. All the time we have to ask and seek the root. So that is the main thing when we are, we are looking and talk to the liturgy. We are talking about the root. And taking this approach of looking for the root first, um, I feel like brings a lot of benefit and it brings a lot of um, like support to what we really do, especially because we're a church that focuses on ancient tradition and um, like what, what the early fathers believed in. And part of this root, um, <clears throat> sorry, part of this root for us um, comes in the form of a language and that language is Coptic, and we hold it very dear and true to ourselves. And um, recently now you're seeing churches, uh, American Coptic Orthodox churches, that don't really use Coptic. And um, so I would like to get your thoughts on the, what you think is the, the importance of Coptic, and if you think that going in this right direction is good, like how should it, in your opinion, how really should it be like um, approached? Yes. <clears throat> Actually, that is one of the main uh, uh, struggle uh, the people are talking about about the language. If we go to the history in the church, we can. It's very easy. We can see it wasn't an issue at all, because if we go in the history of the church, um, if we if we calling if we are calling us the Coptic Orthodox Church, and also we when the the main title for the church is the Church of Alexandria, so the main church in in the Coptic Church is the Church of Alexandria. The Church of Alexandria, the city of Alexandria, never used the Coptic in the beginning. She was totally Greek language, using only Greek language. And if we go in the history, yes, maybe we can see, maybe we can say, maybe it before in, before the, the schism in, in fifth century, yes, it was uh, Greek. 
But actually in the history of the church and the history of the liturgy, at least till the 15th century, 15th century, the city of Alexandria used only the Greek language in the liturgy. 1500 years from the beginning, from the time of St. Mark till the uh, uh, 15th century, the, the city of Alexandria used only the Greek language. And we have many documents about this. One of these documents came from writer in the third century, his name Ibn Sabah or Ibn Sabah. He mentioned something in the ordination of the patriarch. The patriarch should write as a letter, as uh, he making the, the, uh, the used in Arabic, it, mean, it means he is making handwriting to make uh, like agreement with the people of, the, of Alexandria, he never will change their language from Greek to any other language. And also in uh, another document came from, from other one other writer, his name Abu al-Makarim, in the end of 13, and the beginning of 14th century. He said, uh, uh, I, I think in the middle of 14th century, Ibn al-Makarim said, all the churches in the city of Alexandria except just one church in the whole city of Alexandria, used only the Greek language. So we never feel it was an issue. And the call from God to the church of Alexandria, the Coptic church now, to be outside of the ancient territory of the Coptic church, be in many places. And thank God for the for the service of the blessed memory, uh, Bob Shenouda the third, when he sure start this, يعني the service outside of Egypt start with the Bob Yusab and then Bob Cyril the six, and then the Bob Shenouda, يعني spend so much effort and and time to to take care of the church outside of Egypt. And now Bob Tawadros is making the same, uh, continue his work. Uh, it's something very important to see this diversity and this variety for using language. Here in, in, in North America, we, uh, we have this issue with English. In Europe, it's something else. You can go in uh, one, one, uh, one country, there is silly different language in this country, like uh, South Line. That's there is they are using German, Italian, and uh, and French, and you can see in 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 Italy, in in France, in Belgium, Belgium that is, is a small city, is a small country, they are using two different languages. Uh, uh, the uh, they, they are speaking French and uh, flamenco. It is something very close to the German. So we can see this diversity. And actually, this call from, from God to the Church of Egypt to go outside, we have to have and acquire the tools of these places to preach them and to tell them the good news and the tradition of the Church. If we keep the language as a Coptic, yes, it's a great tradition. It's a very important tradition. And if the one said, no, we, don't, we have 
to keep outside of the church is totally wrong. We have to keep it valid. But in the same time, we have to let the people understand and pray in their way and in their language, uh, the liturgy, the worship, to proclaim their, to feel their, themselves and to proclaim and express themselves according to the word and the tradition of God. I personally feel like, like I'm going back to your point about should Coptic stay in the church? I Actually, like I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know if I'm taking so long in the no, answer. No, no, it's okay. I'm, it's okay. I'm trying to, uh, to explain as I can. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say I feel like Coptic is what connects us, like um, American churches, Coptic Orthodox churches, with like Arabic Coptic Orthodox churches, like in Egypt. I feel like Coptic is the language that connects us together. Let me let me take it in different way. Uh, the main thing for the second generation, the third generation, and what about the fourth generation? The main thing I have to connect them with the church is the faith. Because even the people in Egypt, yes, we are using the Coptic, but we have to to be honest. How many person in Egypt can understand the Coptic? Yes, they know the meaning, they know the language, and it's very nice to use it as a language, as the the ancient language, and and all the churches, and all the traditional churches. Uh, they are very proud of their tradition. Uh, in in uh, Syriac church, Armenian church, Indian church, all, all those churches, Ethiopian church, even Byzantine church, Greek language, and the other, Russian, they still use the slave, the, the Slavic uh, language, the old uh, Russian language, and the Latin church, the Catholic church, the Latin church. Yes, it's part of the root, but never, we, we, we cannot keep the language as a wall between the faith and the understanding. In the rite of the baptism, the main thing we are talking, we use these words many, many times, the understanding. The un let them to understand what they are in. And this is the main thing. Yes, it's great to study the Coptic, to study the Coptic language. I studied the Coptic language when I, st I studied my PhD. I studied more than one dialect. It is Saidic and Fayumic yeah. and plus the Buhayric. It is great. And the, the Coptic language is so rich, so rich in meaning and language and, uh, and, and the expression. It's great. But also, we have to focus more about the idea to understand the liturgy, to pray as St. Paul said. We have to pray in the understanding, not just with the tongue. Yeah, and I think it's this, it's this balance between yes. um, like letting people understand and still preserving um, our ancient faith and uh, one of the questions that comes up with that is where do we draw that line? Not just when it comes to Coptic, but in general, 
where do we draw that line when it comes to like, so like what we call a capital T tradition and lowercase uh, T tradition, where it's like the, the real tradition and then just like things that we kind of call tradition, but like really aren't like, where does that line really lie between those two things? If you consider something like the fool and Tamiya as part of the tradition, <laughs> it, sure, it's not even with the, it's not even with the small t. It's something <laughs> less than the small t. Uh, th- that is the issue. Uh, sometimes we are mixing the people without awareness. They are mixing the culture with the tradition. Um, so the the line is awareness to understand what exactly that tradition the father of the church can you consider Saint Athanasius and Saint Cyril Coptic fathers or not yes they never used Coptic I'm, I'm sure they know Coptic because they are talking with the for example the in the in the uh, uh, trip of San Asenasius uh, to Upper Egypt. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe he used Coptic when he was talking with the uh, monks in the monasteries of San Bachomius. Uh, San Cyril. We have many times this meeting between the monks from the monasteries of San Bachomius, Orisius, the disciple of San Bachomius. He met uh, San Cyril many times. So he, uh, maybe he knows Coptic, but they wrote in, in, in Greek. And they, they doing the, all the great uh, works in Greek. All the fathers of the, of, the, uh, of the school of Alexandria, I can consider them as Coptic or not. They are, because they are the father of the Coptic church. But they didn't use the Coptic language because this is the language of the majority. The people can understand. All the time we are looking, as, as I said in the beginning, we are looking to the past, not because we love to live in the past, but we need to understand more about our root to have this faith and this power and the strength to face our challenge. By the way, I'm not thinking we have any new challenge, but we have the same challenge in different form. If we go to all the issues we uh, we are facing today, we are facing the same challenge, like St. Paul was talking about the same sin, the same issues, atheists and uh, the uh, uh, homosexuality and all, all this stuff we are facing, we are not accepting in the church the abortion and, and all this from the first century we have Dikun. So it's not new challenge. It's just we need to have our own way to face this new form, this new shape of the challenge. Yeah, and I think to in like what you were saying, like looking back at the past to like kind of figure out the future and that knowledge is is so important. And I think um, actually said this on the podcast yesterday, um, that we overlook this knowledge a lot, especially like with, uh, like some of the younger generation, a lot of us, we, we just think like it's whatever, like we'll learn it as we go. And we don't 
Um, like we don't think that it's as important as it really is. And especially now in the, in the world we live in and in the challenges that we face and the people that challenge us and like, you know, try to disprove almost our, our faith. I feel like that knowledge of the past is so important. So I, I like the point you brought up where it's, where we're facing the same issues. It's not like we're making stuff up. And I think that goes just in line with the tradition that we've kept the same liturgy for so many years. So we don't like pull off just like how, when it comes to our current issues, we don't, um, we don't like, you know, kind of peel off of it. So that leads me to my like next question, which is like in the current world, right? Uh, we're, we're a proselytizing church. We evangelize people. We try to bring people into the church. And that's kind of part of the American Coptic Orthodox Church without the Coptic and trying to change, separate the culture from the tradition. How exactly do we go about spreading our faith without kind of changing the faith? Because it's really challenging. It's a really thin line between a lot of, you know, ish differences between our church and the Protestant church or our church and the Catholic church, like uh, actually today. Um, sorry, that's my laptop. Um, sorry, today uh, I was in history class and it wasn't planned, but we were taught, learning about Christianity, like the origins of Christianity. And obviously what I'm learning in history is not, is not the same at all, actually, like <laughs> at all compared to, you know, what really the truth is because they have to, you know, be accepting of everything, can't, you know, make claims and all that, which I understand 100%, but it comes to this point to where, you know, you, like there's so many small differences and then people overgeneralize it. So how exactly do we go about spreading our faith in a way that is theologically correct, but easy enough to understand for uh, the people we're trying to reach? Uh, I love something the father in the, uh, the fathers in uh, 4th and 5th century. Um, what they do, um, what they did in, in, in the past, they make distinguish between the essential essential uh, stuff for the faith and something is not essential. Like what? Sometimes we are hearing many struggles in the faith. But the father said, okay, we have the creed. The, the creed of the faith. We believe in one God, God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And then we believe in the church. That is a church. That is a church. And the church, in the church, we believe in the baptism, and we, we believe <clears throat> in the second coming or the, the, the day of resurrection. If we go and understand all this dogma, all these doctrines and the creed, and how can preach to the people as a beginning? Yes, there is many histories. There is many historical stuff happened between the, the Chalcedonian and North Chalcedonian and then the, uh, uh, the Catholic, uh, the Protestant, all, all this stuff. But still, still, we have to offer first the faith 
out of all these struggles and then we are offering the experience of the church of Alexandria in this faith I don't love I don't like to start the evangelism or spread the 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 faith to the people with the struggles don't go to tell them do you know we believe in this and the uh, and we are different than the uh, this christian group and this christian group and this christian group actually it's not the way of the evangelism the way of evangelism to offer the first step offer the experience of the church we have great experience in the sp- spirituality the great spirituality of the coptic of the the church there is something يعني, i want to mention one of the school it's uh, uh, university in, in in dallas i uh, i went there to study something and they asked me to make to offer some lectures to offer a course mm-hmm. to the to the graduate graduate school and they asking for what they asking a course about the desert father mm-hmm. because they know what is the richness the richness in the desert father that is we have to introduce if we start with the struggles many of the people will give us their back <laughs> okay we heard this before we heard this this group is not right and this group is not right but the different to introduce to them introduce to them the 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 richness of the of the of the spirituality the experience in the church in the faith the experience of the church in the faith how those great fathers saint anthony saint macarius saint athanasius saint cyril uh, the father of the church they explain and express the the faith and they examine this in their life in their own life something <clears throat> in in our church we are making uh, a group uh, we we are reading together patristic uh, patristic text and we start with the own incarnation of saint athanasius one of the youth told me look abuna when i i read saint athanasius one page of of this book equal 100 books of apologetics and many stuff because the richness and the logic and how they explain and study and express the faith of the church is very rich is very rich with the father of the church with the history of the church with the liturgy of the church we don't need to introduce many of the differentiation that distinguish between group and the other because we can just introduce introduce the orthodoxy the orthodox life and the orthodox experience and the orthodox richness yeah and i'll agree and i agree with you that the orthodox church is very rich and it's something that um the, the orthodox church has that you know other 
dom- denominations of, ortho- of sorry of Christianity do not have. Um, like being in a sacramental church, um, something that Abu Elisha says all the time. We don't just have like a spiritual side of the church. There's a spiritual and there's a physical. We have both sides. It's fully. Um, it, it it requires all of us, or, or like all of like us, like as an our whole body and yes. our whole being to properly worship God um, yeah. in the church. And I think that's something that the Orthodox Church has that a lot of churches don't. And I I feel like that's something that as um, youth trying to spread our faith, that's something that we need to focus on a lot more than you know oh, we believe in the in, in the Trinity. And, uh, yeah, all versus, of us, all the Christians believe in the, in the yeah. Trinity. So it's not, it doesn't make any difference to say, okay, I'm believing in the Trinity. Okay, all, all of us, yeah, maybe we have different definition or uh, it's not. And, and the one who we are looking, we are trying to, to, talk, to talk to him about our church. He is not familiar with many terminology. So we are saying, okay, we believe in the Trinity. And the other, yes, believing in the Trinity. But if I introduce to him, I offer to him the richness of the church, what just you said, when we are praying in the liturgy, we, we are saying to have this purification in our souls, body, and spirit. We are, all the time, we are praying for the body and soul and spirit, everything. We are submerged in the liturgy. We became body and spirit and soul in the liturgy. We are worshiping God with everything we have. And part of that, I feel like, continues outside of the liturgy. So I would like to um, uh, ask you like uh, something that um, we do here in Atlanta that you're actually going to be a guest speaker on is liturgy and life. Okay. So... Um, like it's it's where we take the liturgy and we apply it to our lives because the liturgy, like it's not just a Sunday morning thing, right? We don't show, but we're not Christian only on Sunday mornings. You know, we're Christian through our whole lives. So, um, and I think part of that part of that body and spirit and and the soul allows us to take that and apply it throughout our whole week. So, um, like how like what is a practical way for us to take the liturgy? and apply it throughout our entire uh, week. Do you know one of the liturgists uh, said something, the liturgy after liturgy. The liturgy starts after the liturgy in the church. What is the liturgy? <clears throat> yes, uh, maybe all of, uh, many of us know the this term, the liturgy. The liturgy, came from the Greek word uh, leos and erg. It is the work of the people. But in the history, this term is, has different definition because this term used in the beginning outside of the religious usage. Start in Athens before the Christianity and before the Judaism even. Uh, it was in the time of Athens uh, and this this word they used to explain the service for some people they are making toward the community 
We are serving the community, like the community service we are making. That what is a community service? It's something the time I dedicated to do to serve the others. And later on, this word entered in uh, the tradition first in the Septuagint when they translate the book, the Bible from Hebrew to uh, to uh, Greek. They used as the to translate the work of worship and then later on uh, exclude this this meaning for the service in the church but for me this terminology according to the history we have this meaning we are praying the liturgy we are praying the liturgy to serve the universe to serve the world. We are praying to ask God, please God, bless the whole world. And if we have this faith, when we are going outside of the church, we have to practice this prayer. How can we practice this prayer? To proclaim the salvation of God for everybody. To proclaim His love. His caring, his, uh, uh, his passion, his compassion for everybody. Not just by the word, but in different way of behavior. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm serving the other. Not just by my prayer, by everything, by, by, by everything I'm doing in in my life, in my daily life. Yeah, and the like this liturgy after liturgy. I, I love, I love the that that terminology. Um, it really shows us like that the liturgy is not just a like it's it's a lifestyle. Like you said, it's how we conduct ourselves, how we serve the community, and it, it implies that this is a continuous service. Yes, it's not an on and off. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's a continuous service, and. I think that's sometimes very hard for us to attain. It's very hard for us to continually think about being humble and putting our others before ourselves and really serving others all the time. Um, but that is what uh, Christ calls us to do. And it, it, I think part of that goes back to the original point of like, um, uh, like making the church an environment for others, like making others like allowable to understand um, like our faith, like that, that goes back to that serving others. Like we're, we're putting our, our own pride in, uh, in our culture and, and in our lowercase tradition, things that don't really matter. We're putting that down in order to lift people, um, to, uh, eternal life. And I, I like to, I want to connect this to something you said in the sermon, um, where you said like you were talking about how the Virgin Mary is the mother of us all. And the mother of all living. The mother of all living, sorry. Yes. And comparing that to when Eve was called the mother of all living and what the difference is between the life and the death. And there was a point you made of how we need to be how we need to be the, the life of the world and need to bring those others to eternity. And how in the baptismal prayer uh, for the children it's said to the parents, um, so I don't know if I'm gonna get this hundred percent right. Um but it's, uh, 
something about how they're heirs to yeah to the, the life of Christ to the life of Christ thank yeah. you how the the, the children life have, with Christ yeah the children have now become heirs of the life with Christ yes and I think that 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 should be the set that should be the um sorry should be the basis of how we introduce Christianity to others where it's we want to invite you to partake of this life with Christ to be allowed to become heirs as we are um in this life of Christ and so uh I think it's very important that we have to keep and uphold the tradition of our church but we have to allow others to uh, partake of it yes Yes, that is, that is the goal of the church. The goal of the church, proclaim the salvation of God to everybody. And to be a place in where the people can meet Jesus Christ in person. And to taste this different life, the true life. And uh, I... As Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, the one who believe in me, not just will be alive or living. No, actually he will be like a source, other source of life. Not like Jesus, but in in different way. He will offer the living water to the others. Because he said this. And this the role of the Christians. We have to become like him, as St. Paul said. Because the life of Jesus, when Jesus gave us his life, not to live according to our way, but to live according to his way, according to his life. For this, the life we have, the life we gain, the life we attain, it's not our life. It's the life of Jesus, the life of God himself. Because that is the only life that is the only true life. And there's something very important. If all the times that is, that is the job of the church, to proclaim the true life, even if it's hard, even if the world doesn't accept, even if it's not something to entertain the universe, it's our task, it's our call to, to proclaim the salvation and the life of God to everyone. Come and see. And I think uh, we will end on that. Thank you very much, Avuna. Thank you. Uh, Thank, you for, Thank you, Mina. For blessing us here today, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. It's um, a it's blessing for me. Thank you so much. If you guys enjoy this episode, uh, please give it a like, uh, comment, subscribe, and share it to... Uh, anyone who you think might benefit from this. And that's all. Thank you.